Hi, good to see you. All right, the title of the sermon is God is in the details. God is in the details. In January of 2003, the space shuttle Columbia took off for a 16-day science research trip in orbit around the little blue planet that we call home. And 81 seconds into takeoff, a NASA technician thought he spotted something in the grainy video footage that gave him deep concern. He thought he saw a small piece of styrofoam break off of one of the main booster rockets and strike the rear of the left shuttle wing. So he ran it up the chain of command and said, guys, we need to check this out to make sure that the shuttle is not damaged. And they said, what we can do is maybe we can, re- we can commission a satellite in orbit that is equipped with cameras to, on its next pass to catch some photos of the rear of the shuttle. And the higher-ups said, it's probably fine. This is this shuttle's 28th trip. These kinds of things happen. It's always been fine before. I'm speculating as to what they thought. And they didn't do anything. And then they spent that entire trip. The astronauts pulled like a three-day, all 24-hour shift, like relieving each other, running as many like science experiments, right before they were coming back, science experiments as they could. And then during re-entry, just 16 minutes before their scheduled landing, I think they were supposed to land in Texas, 16 minutes before the scheduled landing, flight control on the ground suddenly stopped receiving data from the left wing's temperature sensor. Why am I getting emotional of something that happened in 2003? Okay. Then the tire sensor stopped sending data. And then in the middle of a sentence, the radio transmissions were, were cut off. The next thing that NASA heard was from family and friends of the NASA employees calling to say, your shuttle's in pieces on the news. Seven lives lost because they didn't follow up on a detail. Can you imagine being that employee? You did everything right. You were told by the high-ups, no, it's fine. That changed everything for, Na- for the NASA space program. We stopped sending shuttles up. Did you know that nowadays we do not send shuttles into space? Do you know how NASA gets our, our astronauts to the space station? We hire from the private sector. We say, hey, hey, SpaceX. Hey, Orbital ATK. Can we hitch a ride with you since you're going? And they go, "Uh uh-huh. It changed everything. Why do I tell this story? The details matter. Because God is in the details. Uh, Eric, can you come up here for a second? So 
we're, let, let's just take compliments, for example. Example one, compliments. Details matter. God is in the details. Compliments. Just rate my compliment, okay? One out of five. Hey, you're awesome. It's not bad. It's worse than if I said, I dislike you. That's bad. That would be, you know, your awesome's better than that. But can we improve on your awesome? Why don't, why don't you guys improve on it for me? You're a good charades player. What else you got? Yeah, okay. Give me one for Eric. You're a faithful, good worker. You're a what? How? I. What did you say, Tom? Best manager ever. Best manager. All right, so Eric, now I'm going to get really real with you, okay? I know it sucks. Compliments hurt as bad as insults. That's what I'm saying. It's a different kind of, it's a good pain. Here's the deal. I have so much incredibly high respect for you. I know that I could trust you with anything in my life that matters to me. I could, I could leave my kids at your place for a week. They'd be fine. I wouldn't have to worry a thing about them. I could trust you with money. I could trust you with property because I know you have integrity. And I know that what you care about more than anything in life is pleasing God and loving the people that you're called to. You have integrity. I see you. I see you working hard. I see you working on yourself. I see you working on your walk with Jesus. I see you especially prioritizing your wife, her heart, your kids. You are a man of God. And I see the fruit in your life. Is that painful to hear? No. Okay. You may now sit down. Now, now rate, rate that kind of compliment versus you're awesome. It's better, isn't it? Why? Because the details matter. Why do details matter? Because God is in the details. Should I have you come up too? Yeah, I'll just tell you what you can do, what you can do. If she says, how do I look? And you go, you look great, and you don't even glance up, that's a, that's a one out of five. But if you say, hold up, you stop everything you're doing, you look at her and you go, give me a spin, give me a spin. And she spins and you go, oof, girl, you're hurting me. You're hurting me. I mean, you don't look good, you look good. Dang. I pity the fool. Okay. God's in the, God, God is in the details, y'all. So this is true for like all kinds of stuff in life. It's true. Okay, let's say repentance prayers, details matter. Forgiving other people, details matter. Renouncing lies, unmasking evil schemes. Paul says we're not un, unaware of Satan's schemes. Details matter. Prophesying over people, details. Rebuking evil spirits, details. Healing from past hurts, renouncing lies, replacing them with truth, breaking soul ties, reversing generational curses, calling back what's lost. But not even that. Imagine if you had a billion dollars. You could buy any home you want. You finally get it. I keep imagining this, that I have some house with an amazing swimming pool right next to the ocean, so I get to pick and choose, you know? I feel like the ocean today. I feel like my pool. You know what I think? The thing that would make my life actually amazing is not that place. If I was in that place, it's who I'd be with in that place. 
guess what? I'd still drink my cup of coffee in the morning. Do you think I would change the brand if I had all that money? I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to dumb Starbucks. I'd still make my own coffee at home, and it would be 8 o'clock or Dunkin' or Folgers or whatever I'm in the mood for that day. Dunkin's a little smoky, but it is good. Calm yourself, people. Whatever's not a dark roast. People are like, I like a hearted dark roast. No, you don't. You like a mild roast, and you've been deceived. You put so much cream in That's a different conversation. My point is this. Your enjoyment of life is the little things. The, the, the richest pleasures of life are inexpensive details that are commonly available to you if you'll wake up and pay attention. Think about stuff you didn't even notice so far this morning. Like, did you actually notice how your shirt feels on you? Did you notice the roof of your mouth and how it feels with your tongue? You do now, right? Do you notice how your feet feel in your socks and shoes? Please tell me you're wearing socks. It's cold. We don't stop to pay attention to the details as much as we should, but God is in the details. And if I had a billion dollars, it would still be the little things that make me rich, not the money. Now, if you have that kind of money to give me, I could use it right now. But that's neither here nor there. All right. God's in the details. Let's three little more examples real quick. Imagine there's, you see a dude by a lake and he's yelling at the lake. And he yells, hey, if there's any fish in this lake, come on out. And then he turns and walks away and says, now that's what I call fishing. Okay, you go, what the, what's wrong with that guy? What's wrong with that? You say, well, that, that ain't fishing. That, that, okay, let's say, okay, another guy. He walks up to the woods with a gun, <laughs> with a full clip, automatic, and he unloads the entire clip at the woods going, yeah, boy. And then he turns and says, now that's what I call hunting. <laughs> There's a Native American proverb that says, he who hunts two rabbits goes hungry. What's my point? God's in the details. You can't yell at the whole lake. And expect fish to come. You can't shoot at the whole woods and call it hunting. Next, next. How about this one? You're praying in church for somebody. God's in the details. So you just get, rate the prayer. Rate the prayer. One out of five, or four, out of five stars. Rate this prayer. God, I just ask that you would bless my brother. Who said my brother? <laughs> what do you guys already know because I called him my brother? I'm drawing a blank on his name. <laughs> my brother is code for, oh, uh, who are you? <laughs> but bless is good, but, the re- but okay, get, uh, elaborate, please. What do you mean, bless? Bless when? How? To what end? With what effect? Nothing wrong with saying, bless my brother. But it gets better if you tell me what you're talking about. Because why? Because God is in the details. 
One time I was praying for John and Lois Mast about a job situation. You ever pray like this where you hear yourself pray something? Like it comes out of your mouth and then you're like, oh. Comes out first and then you're like, uh-oh. I heard myself pray that they would get a job, a different job, a better job, a different kind of job than they've ever worked, that they wouldn't have to look for it, that it would take care of all their bills, and that it would happen before March, and it was January. A job that's different than anything you've ever done. You ain't going to have to look for it. It's going to come to you, take care of all your issues with debt, and it's going to happen by March. And then I stood back and said, what did I just say? What did I just say? Lucky for me, I forgot I prayed that right after church, so I didn't have to worry about whether it happened. Somebody's thumping with their foot, and I hear it. Ah, okay, that's fine then. Continue with the thumping. I'm an audio, what you call it? What? Hey, buddy, look at you. You the man. For him, thump all you want. Cutie. And then I get a phone call, and it's Lois, and she says, it's the middle of February, and your prayer got answered. And I said, what prayer are you talking about? And she said, we're going to sell the house. We got offered randomly. Someone called me and said, I want you to be the caregivers for this, the husband called, who has a wife with a terrible disease, and she was, okay. It's a longer story. I'm going to try to summarize the prayer was answered. They sold their house. They moved in there and got paid to live there and care for her. And it was something they'd never, it would all happen exactly like, like I prayed. Now, how would they have known God answered the prayer if I didn't have detail? Colossians 4.2, Paul says to be faithful in prayer, being watchful and thankful. How can you be watchful and thankful to see if God's answering watchful to see if he's answering thankful to say, thank you for being an answering God. How can you even know if he answers prayer, if your prayers are so vague that if he didn't answer, you wouldn't notice, and if he did, you wouldn't notice? To be aware, you have to include, because God's in the details. Another example, forgiving people. Rate this one. Like I I do a lot of this sitting with people and, and saying, hey, pray this, pray this. And my job is to keep us from talking around the issue without dealing with it, right? So rate this forgiveness prayer. God, I just ask that you'd help me forgive dad for whatever hurts he might have caused over the years. He's a good dude and he didn't mean nothing by it. Amen. I'm going to say three things that I notice with that weird prayer. Number one, you asked God to help you forgive, which is not the same thing as forgiving, is it? If it's a high dive, you didn't even get on the ladder yet. You just, could you shove me on the ladder? (laughs) Eventually, not today. (laughs) Asking to forgive, sometimes we mean it, and that's valid. And sometimes we're actually using that prayer as a way of backing away from doing it. Secondly, he says, or the person says, yeah, he's a good dude and he didn't really mean it. Well, that to me sounds like minimizing, which isn't forgiving either. Thirdly, and here's more importantly with the sermon, not one detail was shared about what we're forgiving, which indicates to me we're not, we're not really dealing with this thing yet. Because when the details come up, they're probably going to come up with feelings, stories, specific things that you remember that hurt. And that still hurt, 
And when that happens, you might cry, you might get angry. I'm not going to lie, I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say this into the microphone. You might cuss. And I'll be all right with that in that moment. Because I just want you to be real more than anything else. And when that starts happening, here's what I know. You're getting in touch with your soul. And as a counselor, as a Christian counselor, here's what I feel in the room. Every time I, that the person gets real with their soul, I sense the Spirit of God flame up in the room. Before that, we were on our way there. But when this starts happening, I sense the power of the Lord rise. And all of a sudden, I'm praying in tongues. And I didn't plan to. Why? Because God's in the details. And we finally got into the details. Now it came up so it can come out. Now we can forgive. All right, post-it notes in the spirit realm. Post-it notes in the spirit realm. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to check yourself right now. This is a little tool that I sometimes use. If you were to check yourself in the spirit realm, are there any post-it notes that are trying to stick to you that have lies written on them. Another way I could ask the question is, if you had to guess what lies are trying to stick to you, what would you guess? You got one? And then if I said this, of the lies that you sense trying to stick to you with post-it notes in the spirit realm, of those lies, which one is the strongest? You got one? If you don't, no big deal. It's just a little tool I sometimes use. Here's what I know. If you take that strongest lie to God today, you can do it right now. Right now, or you could do it later. That's fine either way. And you say, God, how did this get here? You might have a conversation with him about it. Another thing you can do is just say, God, if that's the lie, what's the truth? What do you say? And here's what I know, guys. God's answer to the question, what's, this is the lie, what's the truth? Is, especially that big lie. God's answer to the big lie, his truth, is probably going to be a key truth for you. Like a key truth that keeps you unlocked. You have a shield of faith, and that faith has content in specific truths of God. And your way of lifting that shield of faith is to agree in your thinking with what God says. Are you with me? I like this. I can see you processing for example, somebody might say, uh, the post-it notes say things like, I'm unwanted, I'm alone, I'll always be alone, I'm a reject, I'm stupid, I deserve that, it's my fault. And if you ask them, do you believe those things, they'd say, no, I don't believe those things. But the fact that they're aware of them means they're trying to get in. And I still want you not just to say, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me. I want you to know what you stand on, what the Father is saying. Because Jesus said in John chapter 8, you're my disciples if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You won't fight with tooth and nail to get free. The truth itself will take all them barnacles off the boat. 
So when we, when we do the, the exercise, when I do that exercise with people, the post-it notes, do you think I then just have them pray a blanket prayer, get a bunch of lies in the room and then say, I rebuke all these lies in Jesus' name. Stop threatening me. Big bad devil, run out the door, leave me alone. No, we go line by line through each one. All right, if the lie was this, God, what's the truth? And I usually make them do it out loud because they hear and they doubt. They hear God, but they doubt they're hearing God. And my presence there helps assure them when I agree that that was really God, that they're hearing God. You're with me. The details matter. So we break every lie. We say things like, I'm not unwanted. God delights in me. I'm not alone. I'm surrounded. I'll never be alone. I'm not a reject. I'm a treasure. I'm not stupid. I have the mind of Christ. This didn't happen because I deserve it. It wasn't my fault. And it hasn't left me bitter. It's making me better. I'm better because of what I lost and what I suffered. I'm stronger and wiser because God's grace is working in me and I'm more than a conqueror through him. In myself, I'm weak, but he's strong. And he's not leaving. Like that's straight out of scripture. Everything I just said, there's Bible under it. Okay, next one. You get my point, right? What's the point of what I'm saying? God's in the details. If I say, what's my point, and I wave my hand like this, that's your line. That's your clue, by the way. You only have one line. If, the, if you guys are actors in the script of the play today, you only got one line, and it's not going to change. God's in the details. Confession of sin. Rate this confession. Rate this sin confession prayer. You're, in, you're, you're saying your daily prayers, and then you end the prayer like this. And if I've sinned in any way at all today, God, I just ask that you would forgive me. Amen. Is there a lot of power on that? You feel the juice? <clears throat> How could we fix it? When we get into it, when we really get into it and name the sin. Who said name the sin? A bunch of y'all did. Yeah. And, and, and then take a moment. Take a moment and ask God like four questions. You can ask God four questions. Number one, why did I do that? God, why did I do that? It'd be interesting to hear what he says, because it might not be what you think. Do you know what I'm talking about? We do a little self-powered, self-improvement, I'm going to fix myself thing. I'm going to go to the Christian self-help section. There is no Christian self-help section. It's all called faith, and it's Jesus helps section. That's, there, there should be no Christian self-help section. I'm my own physician. I'm such a great saint. Jesus doesn't even have to work on anything in my life. I'm doing it all for him. It's, I'm doing him a favor, really, if you think about it. Number one, why did I do that? Number two, what lie did I believe that was empowering the temptation? Temptation only has power if you believe the lie it's trying to sell you. Right, Satan's got an empty bag that says, oh, if you do this, you're going to go over here and you're going to do this and then you'll be taken to heaven. And then you do it and guess where it doesn't take you? At all. It's an empty bag, but you believed it. So why did I do that? Number two, what lie did I believe that empowered the temptation? Number three, what need was I attempting to fulfill apart from you, God? What need was I attempting to fill 
apart from you. And then number four, how, did you, how do you, God, intend to meet that need? Because God's desire for us is not for us to be constantly battling temptation, empty and unfulfilled. Like, that's just working on the surface, the fruit level. He wants our hearts to be so transformed and full in him that we no longer have to fight sin so dang hard. I like to say resisting sin is a short-term strategy. Transforming the heart is a long-term strategy. So we don't have to fight sin all the time. Because it's lost its power. And we look at it and we go, empty bag. Lies. I'm out. Right? If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. All right. If you tried this with your spouse, like if we confess sins to our spouse, the same way we talk to God, we'd see immediately how weird it is. Like, check this out. I pop my head into Carrie's, in Carrie's room. <laughs> this is going to feel really weird. Hey, babe, I just want to let you know that if I've sinned against you in any way today, forgive me because Jesus died. Cool. Bye. See you. Love you. <laughs> weird. Super weird. And that's how we talk to God. Hey, God, I just want to let you know that I'm off the hook because of Jesus' sake. Bye. <laughs> and he's like, huh? It's a weird relationship. Here would be a much more normal way. Hey, babe, and I do this, and she'll attest to you that I do this. Are we cool? Are we okay? I'm looking. I'm scanning her eyes, right? I'm looking for micro expressions, right? I'm serious because I want to be, I, like, she's a priority in my life. So, babe, are we cool? Are we okay? I feel like something's a little off lately, and I want you to know I treasure you. And if there is anything off, I want to fix it because you're my priority. Now imagine that's actually the purpose of the little confessions of sin in your Christian life. It's not a, oh God, please don't kill me. What are you talking about? What, What is wrong with you? Get off the floor and have a conversation about what's really going on with the one who deeply loves you and wants to help you walk even closer to him. That was more like Christian confession than, oh, and if I've sinned in any way. What are we doing, covering our bases? Are we afraid we're going to get smacked if we don't say the right, if we don't check that little box every day? Because I I don't like confess sin every day. I I don't think about sin very often in my Christian life, except for when it comes up. Most of the time in my conversations with God, I'm talking about how good he is and trying to figure out how to walk by faith and and get on his page with the various details of my life. Are you Okay. Did I just veer into heresy? Next conversation. God's in the details. Oh, there you go. Spiritual warfare. Who's ever heard this kind of prayer? Evaluate this prayer for me. And if there are any any spirits, if, if there are any spirits in the room that might be trying to fight against God's will, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. You think there's a lot of juice on that prayer? Why not? What's it missing? It's, doesn't it sound like we're a little scared? Like when you hear a creak in your house? Hey, if anybody's in here, I got a gun. Oh, I'm in the faith of the Lord. Do we sound a little scared when we do those butt coverage prayers? We sound a little freaked out. 
We're not sure if there's a demon in here, but if there is, oh, brother, we better, we better, if there's anybody here, promise for real I have a gun. You ain't got no gun. What if we do this? What if we had more details? Rate this prayer. Is this an improvement? We rebuke all spirits of lust, anger, depression, lack, despair, and self-pity. That's quite a bit better, isn't it? Okay, but here's, here's the deal. We're still probably operating out of theology more than discernment. Theology gives us a framework for understanding what can happen. Discernment gives us awareness of what is going on here. Are you with me? Are we doing okay? So, discernment helps us know exactly which pesky critters are troubling the folk in the room right now. Most of us have enough discernment to sense what's wrong, but not quite enough to sense something's wrong. Let me say that again. Most of us have enough discernment to sense when something's wrong, but probably not quite enough discernment to know what's wrong. That's okay. That's okay. We can at least pray about that. Are you with me? What we really want to go after is details. Why? Thank you. Okay, real quick. Discernment versus the prophetic. I just said discernment is a... Okay, let me give you a definition. Tim's definition of discernment. Discernment is a God-given awareness of what invisible entities are presently influencing people. Discernment is a God-given awareness of what invisible entities are influencing people. Now, listen... I wish the discernment people would see a little more of God's angels. Because if you have real discernment and it's not just some weird kooky kick you're on, you'll see as many holy angels. Since there's only a third of the angels fail, I should expect that two-thirds of what a person with discernment sees is God. Are you with me? Most of the time, people who talk about discernment... Well, first of all, online, the people who talk about discernment don't have any. It's like heresy police who are trying to say that everybody who ever did anything good for Jesus was a false prophet, okay? But in my experience, people who tend to actually have the gift sometimes don't learn how to use the gift with maturity. And what we really need is to move beyond discernment to prophetic. Okay, so if discernment is an awareness, a God-given awareness of what invisible entities are influencing people, the prophetic goes even higher. If discernment sees this realm. Prophetic goes higher. It goes beyond, above the cloud cover. It can be raining on earth, but if you can get above the cloud cover, anyone who's ever gone on a big old flight in an airplane knows this, just because it's raining down here doesn't mean it's raining up there. And if you know how to access God, now you have clear vision, even though it might be confusing and sad and depressed in this room. If you get prophetic vision, you now see God's, what God sees. And the prophetic helps you feel God's heart for people and hear what God is saying over people. Discernment only lets you know the problem or what's happening. It's not an answer. But whatever God says carries God's creative power. How much you want to bet if you got a room of complete darkness and you turn on one light bulb that you no longer have a dark room? Why? Because light always wins over darkness. So if you will see with discernment and then 
ask for what the, what the Father is saying he wants you to release instead. Now, instead of just going, we rebuke this and we rebuke that and we rebuke the other, now you can just say, I release this and I release that, and it will resist. It'll squeeze it out right out of the room. That's fine if you want to rebuke, but I'm saying don't stop there. Rebuking ain't enough. Release what God wants done. Because God's word is always more powerful. Are you with me? Here's my point. General, generic, vague rebukes in case something might be going on, not powerful. Specific, specific discernment of what's going on plus releasing God's voice, extremely powerful. Most of you already know from experience what I'm talking about. Where you've been in a space and you're not sure what's going on, and then somebody prays or says the right thing, and it breaks the thing off. You've been there, right? You've seen this. What's my point, guys? Correct. All right, here's another metaphor. You're doing awesome, by the way, and we're almost done. Don't ever tell that to people, because then they get their hopes up. Yes. Cover, you guys are awesome, doing a great job listening, participating, and interacting with what I'm saying. Even your silence looks thoughtful rather than vacant like a cow. (laughs) You ever had a conversation with a cow? They just chew the grass and look at you. And you're like, not a lot going on in there. Okay. Cover fire versus snipers. All right. When the enemy has soldiers pinned down, sometimes there's a technique used called Cover fire or covering fire. Anybody know what that is? What is that? So what we're doing is we're shooting a whole bunch of bullets, not necessarily trying to hit the enemy because they're usually under, you know, hidden. We shoot a whole bunch of bullets for a while to get them to duck and cover, right? Cover fire causes them to duck and cover and stop shooting at us so that our guys can move. Covering fire. And then our guys are running the whole time. Somebody's spraying and praying and somebody's running. That's very different than a sniper. A sniper, if he used cover fire, he'd be done. And then take one look at where the bullets are coming from and pick him off. So a sniper's strategy is what? One shot, headshot. And what kind of target is a sniper going after? An average grunt or a high-value target? I want our praying and our prophesying and our thinking and our strategizing to be that of a, of, of a prophet, that of a sniper. Here's... Here's what I'm interested in. If you are someone who regularly prays over other people, the goal of that, in my mind, one of the goals of that is that your prayers be led by the Spirit. Are you with me so far? In the new covenant, everybody can prophesy. In the old covenant, the Spirit's poured out on a few. Therefore, the cost of somebody getting a prophetic word wrong was higher. And in the Old Testament, they're told if someone comes and prophesies, and they're not prophesying the word of the Lord, you should put them to death. Well, that's for several reasons. But one of the main ones is, if they're not actually seeking the Father, 
but they just want attention, or they're calling the people away from the Lord in obedience, they're a false prophet. But high levels of accuracy were also demanded in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, there are still prophets, but now the Spirit's poured out on the whole church, and it says in 1 Corinthians 14, all of you can prophesy. We're also told by, in Thessalonians, we're to test prophecies, which means if we're to test prophecies, we're commanded to test them, they're not to be shared with a, thus saith the Lord, they're to be shared with a, uh, this is what I'm sensing, and you as the church with the Spirit have the authority to evaluate that. In the Old Testament it was, I'm the prophet with the Spirit, you don't obey me. In the New Testament, y'all all have the Spirit. You have more authority when I prophesy over you than I do over whether or not what I'm saying is true. Did I lose you? Are you with me? So here's what I want. As you're learning how to hear God accurately. This came to me one day when a friend of mine who is a prophet with a capital P. I went up to him and I said, here's what I sense. I sense God inviting you. When you get a word for someone, you're, supposed to, you're not supposed to just go deliver it. You're, I, want you to, I want you to try this out because this is what I'm sensing. It feels like a word of wisdom. I want you to say, what else, God? What else? For example, let's say we're worshiping and you suddenly sense that there's someone in the room that needs to let go of rejection. Okay, I'll just be clear. When we were singing, I sensed, and this is me being totally real right now, I sensed there was someone in the room who's carrying guilt from their sin and it's holding back their heart's capacity to worship. Okay, so let's say you're worshiping and you suddenly sense there's someone in here who needs to let go of rejection. What I would say to, to if that's you, like, okay, to the prophet who gets that word, I would say, check your spirit. Is there more you're aware of? You're, you're, we're usually aware of more than we are aware we're aware of. Go with me. I know this is weird. Check your spirit for more detail. What side of the room are they on? This side, right? Is it a male or female? It's a male. What age are they? This age, right? You're just checking for more detail. Who specifically? It's him. What's he feeling? Ah, it's a bitter romantic breakup that caused that. And you go, Tim, this is weird and scary. Yeah, I know. Welcome to the fun of learning how to prophesy. We take risks and guess what? Who cares if you're wrong? You tried, therefore you already succeeded. If it was the Old Testament, they would stone you to death and you'd be done. But in the New Testament, we're supposed to be taking these kind of risks. Hey, because you don't come and say, I really see in the spirit that you had a romantic relationship that broke up and now you're dealing with the spirit of rejection. Don't doubt me, I'm the, I'm the man of God. That guy gets kicked out and not allowed to prophesy in our church because he doesn't have humility and he's not submitted to the structure of authority. But let's say he brings it and he goes, who rejected you? Can I just ask you that? And the person goes, boom, you got me. Why are you saying this to me? I feel like, I feel like during worship, God indicated to me that you had a past romantic breakup and you're still carrying rejection from this thing, dude. Is that on track or is that off track? No, you're on track. All right, well, let's pray about it. You see how that, you see how that works? Asking for what? More detail. Don't be content with, because God wants to give us more. My friend Carmel, when she saw me have people ask God questions, she got excited. And she's like, 
if God's talking to him, just because you had him ask a question, what if we have them ask God more question? So she would, she would piggyback. I'd say, ask the Lord this. And they'd say, God says this. And she'd say, what else? And he, God would give more detail. I would have been content with one sentence. Carmel, by asking simply the one line, what else? She would get two pages out of God. This one girl, I shouldn't say her name. She was single. She wanted to date this other guy who was in the thing, didn't know if he was interested. What else? What else? What else? She started to dream this horse ranch and marrying this guy. Spoiler alert, they're now married. Okay? Okay, that's too much detail. My point, though, is... Are you with me? Now we're going we're, we're to try to land the plane. Here's the deal. God actually loves you. Like, Cody, he deeply delights in you, right? Now, in, in our heads, we go, yeah, of course he does. God loves everybody. That's theology. But theology is different than knowing. Knowing. He loves the whole world, but he also loves all the nations, right? He loves the nations, but he also loves all the peoples. He loves the peoples, but he also loves each family. He loves each family, but he actually loves each person, he loves every person, but he, he loves, hold up, he loves you. And not only, not only does he like love you, he loves traits you have. He loves specific things about your personality and your character. He likes some of your likes. He, yeah, he likes you. To some people, that's an upgrade. To some people, he loves me. It's like, well, he has to love me. He's God. That's his job. That's why they pay him the big money. But you don't know that he enjoys you. And he has a smile on his heart. Remember how I said I was looking for, for Carrie's micro expressions when I asked her if she's okay? Listen, when you startle God by walking into his office, yeah, I, I get it, you can't. But if you could, the micro expression on his face would be delight. The greatest need of your and my heart and the greatest need of every small child is to be looked upon in love, to be looked upon with delight, to be looked upon with joy. It's the greatest single need of every human heart. Is that how you know your father? He says every hair of your head is numbered and you're worth more than many sparrows. He actually knows all the details. Every head of my hair, well, that number has diminished over the years. If you want, I really can do this. I, I know I sent the prayer thing a thread on the, on the prayer thread about me getting like a whole bunch of wigs, just different wig every week. Would you guys like that? No? I'm just saying, like my grandpa one time at a family reunion came in with a wig on. And we laughed so hard, he looked like he was going to cry. He was so excited about his hair, and we laughed. We couldn't help it. We knew it was rude, but we couldn't restrain the absolute frustration and joyful disapproval. What are you doing? It's a dead squirrel on your head. Get that terrible thing off. He's like, that costs $500. You know? 
<laughs> so I probably won't. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus tells us that the Father, for everyone who overcomes, has a white stone. A white stone. <laughs> Linda, you know this verse. With a name written on it that's known only between him and you. That's got to be one of the best scriptures in the whole Bible. Well, we're not allowed to talk about yours to me and mine to you, apparently. And that, that, that name on it will, will it's like, that's, that's, a, that's a closed door to everyone else. There's a bond. I don't even know what that entirely means, guys, but I know it means he loves you. He doesn't just love people. He loves you, specifically you, uniquely you. Did you know that copies are cheap? Whether we're talking about sculptures, paintings, a lot of things. Copies are cheap, but originals are priceless. And your handmade and the fingerprints of the Father are all over you. Isn't that? Ah, okay. Eric Little was a Scotsman who won several gold medals at the 1924 Olympics in Paris. And he was a Christian and his sister was mad at him for running in the Olympics instead of being a missionary. (laughs) Oh, you poor girl. Eric, you're wasting your life on these frivolous worldly pursuits trying to prove how fast you are. Oh, look at me. I'm so fast. You should be out there suffering for Jesus. What's wrong with you? You know what he said? This is what he said. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. This is worship, right? When you become the you you were made to be. Not somebody else, not a copy, not something you saw someone else do. When you become you, like, right? God has a destiny for your life. He has a plan for your life. He has good plans. He has a specific path for you and uniquely you. When you walk in that, you feel his pleasure. Walk in that. Not the generic, not the bland, the specific, the details of who you are meant to be where you're meant to go, what you're called to. Why, guys? Why? Because God's in the details. Father God, we thank you that your love is in the details. You've given your son specifically for each of us. I think we all know that if we were the only person who ever lived and sinned, Jesus would have still come. At least in theory we know it, but I don't know that we deeply know it. So we say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for the crown of thorns you took for me. Thank you for the lashing and scourging you took for me. And thank you for the resurrection for me. Thank you that you reign in heaven right now at the right hand of God, representing me, and you're pouring out the Spirit on me. 
I ask God that you would give me eyes to see details that I was blind to before. Give me eyes and ears to see and hear details that I didn't notice before that would help line me up with the Father's heart for the people around me. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God's in the details.